Two down in the ninth. Bumgarner thrown. Robinson waits. Here comes the pitch. High drive. Are you ready to talk baseball? Well, step up to the plate. You're listening to Passion for the Pastime. And here's your host, Walter. Hey, how's it going, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Hope you're doing well, staying safe, and being healthy out there as we near the halfway point of the 2020 baseball season. And yes, it does feel like the season just started yesterday, which it essentially did. Uh, It started in the last week of July. We're here in the last week of August leading up to the trade deadline. And then in about a month, we'll be done with the regular season going into the playoffs. And let me just say, just looking at the halfway point, uh, you know, usually trade deadline, you can tell who's in the race, who is a contender. And although you can you can weed out, you know, the uh, the top contenders for each division. But when you look up and down these divisions right now uh, at this halfway point, it's just it's really hard to tell uh, who's going to be sellers, who's going to be buyers, especially in this last week uh, leading up to the trade deadline. Trade deadline is at the end of August, uh, August 31st. And then we'll be in the final stretch. The last month of the season is upon us, uh, getting closer and closer. This season is just going by uh, with a blink of an eye. So we're going to look at the halfway point here. Uh, Most teams have played around 28 to 30 games, 30 being that middle mark uh, in the 2020 season with the 60-game season uh, set to conclude at the end of September. So we'll go ahead and look at that. We'll look at the statistics, uh, see what teams are excelling, what teams, you know, players what who are who are leading the races as far as MVPs, uh, Cy Young Awards, all that kind of stuff, because we're still going to have that in this 2020 season as well. And then, uh, you know, as we look at the... Nationals, as we look at all these teams, you know, the Nationals are the defending champions. They took a big blow uh, this week in losing one of their stars. So we'll talk about that. And also, we'll be talking about Major League debuts. Not everyone has a spectacular debut, but there was a rookie that made his debut with the Indians over the weekend that we have to talk about. And then we'll just go out throughout the history of Major League Baseball. Uh, Hitters and pitchers alike, uh, we will be looking at some, uh, just revisiting some big debuts, uh, much anticipated debuts as we go into this podcast. So welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are ready for a good show. So let's go ahead and just start talking about the midway point because we're at the midway point. We're about a little bit a week shy of the trade deadline, which, you know, the, the there's a lot of teams that are, I guess, on re- really being sellers. Uh, Boston Red Sox, they made a, a deal earlier this week. They went ahead and sent Brandon Workman to the Philadelphia Phillies for the Phillies uh, trying to piece together that 
atrocious bullpen that they have over there as they're still trying to fight for uh, the division. I mean, the the Phillies, they're one of those teams, right? I mean, you, you're trying to figure out what these teams are going to do. And the Phillies, however, they're four games under 500, but they're only four games back from first place in their division. So uh, we have the, the Red Sox being sellers, being that they're 9-20, and 20, 29 games in. So you figure that they're probably out of it, and that's very disappointing for Red Sox fans, although I didn't think that the Red Sox were going to be there. I, I felt that this division was going to be a – uh, a battle between the Tampa Bay Rays and the Yankees with the with the Rays actually coming out on top, which as it stands right now, the Rays are above uh, the Yankees on one game. And then I also had Toronto uh, trailing the Yankees and the, the Rays in that division coming out on third uh, in that division. But the Baltimore Orioles are actually up on, well, I guess they have the, the same record. Orioles or or the same the same win percentage. Uh they're both 500. Orioles are 14 and 14 and the Toronto Blue Jays are 13 and 13. So that's the AL East when you look at that and you know uh with the Tampa Bay Rays and the Yankees they still have games to be played uh down the stretch. So it's going to be really interesting, but the Rays and the Yankees um Tampa Bay went ahead and handled business against the Yankees early on in this in that first series. So uh, Tampa Bay currently holding uh, the top level of the AL East, sitting at 19 and 10, while the Yankees are at 16 and 9. And when you look at the individual teams, uh, you know, you talk about the Rays, you talk about the Yankees. The Yankees are actually one of those teams that it's not even something that's new. The Yankees have actually been... Uh, hindered by injuries. I mean, you look at their injury report. Just off, just off the top of my head, uh, Paxton just went back uh, for for injury. Uh, Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, um, Glaber Torres just landed on the I.L., I believe. DJ LeMayhew. Uh, you got all these guys uh, landing on the D.L. or the I.L., excuse me, for the Yankees. And this was the same thing that happened last year. Aaron Judge on there also. Um, it's the same thing that happened, and and that's prior. I'm not even including Luis Severino, who had his injury out for the year. So it's it's going to be really interesting for the Yankees to see what they end up doing uh, on this front. You know, as they try to go into the final stretch to uh, to to get into the postseason, because it's almost a given. I mean, the 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 format for how the playoff teams are determined is that you get each of the division winners. Each division winner gets the top three uh, spots in the postseason, and then it goes to the runner-up in those divisions. They get the next uh, three, so four, five, and six. Then seven and eight is determined by the wild card standard. So uh, it could be anyone from any division, pretty much the next tier down, um, after the the uh, the the division winner and then the division runner up, so the Yankees, one of those teams. I mean, they were tearing it up as far as home runs go. You know how many home runs that the Yankees can hit, but they have actually dropped down a little bit. They're fourth, tied with the Blue Jays. Blue Jays have been on a tear uh, as of late. The Blue Jays. I mean, they they've lost two 
in a row, but before that they were they were winning some games there. Uh, so Toronto looking pretty promising right now. I mean, they're at 500. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they end up doing there. The Toronto Blue Jays actually just traded for uh, Vogelbach from the the Mariners. So they're adding some pop. Vogelbach hasn't been doing too well in Seattle. A rough season so far, but maybe a change of scenery. He has the bat. You know that he can hit. So it's going to be interesting to throw him into that uh that that team environment with uh with Vlad Jr. and uh Teoscar Hernandez. So it's uh the Toronto Blue Jays, I mean don't sleep on them. Don't sleep on them. They're right there. And uh you know when you look at the the divisions, right? When you look at the AL and you talk about Toronto, you look at the Central, um we go to the the Twins. Twins are are 19 and 10 as well. Uh, matching the the Tampa Bay Rays, and then you got the Oakland A's sitting at the top of the American League, twenty and nine. So uh, essentially, it would be the A's would be the number one uh, seed in the playoffs if the playoffs started tomorrow. And then you got the uh, the Twins and also the Rays, and then it goes down to the Yankees. With the Yankees being ranked higher than the Indians, with uh, as it pertains to uh, win percentage, then you go down to the Houston Astros. Astros would be in there as well, and then you look at the other teams that are available. Uh, the only other team that is clear cut to make the postseason at the moment uh, in the AL is the Chicago White Sox. Who the White Sox? I mean, you talk about being on a tear. The White Sox have actually been doing their part as well. Um, they they have been, I believe that they just went on a seven-game uh, winning streak up until their loss on Sunday uh, to Hugh Darvish and the Chicago Cubs. So the, the White Sox have been tearing it up all on the shoulders of Jose Abreu, who is actually tied for second for most home runs in baseball, uh, he kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, we all know Jose Abreu, uh, but he is now second, tied with Mookie Betts, who also Mookie Betts has been tearing it up. Uh, Jose Abreu hitting 322 with those 11 home runs, only trailing the phenom Fernando Tatis Jr. with those 12 home runs, uh, ending the weekend there. So the you know that that would be the American League as far as who is a, a clear cut uh, playoff team at this moment in time. But then you look at everyone else, and this is where you know the trade deadline comes into play uh, with Toronto making moves. Baltimore, Baltimore is actually right there with Toronto, five hundred, and it would be. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know who would actually come out on top here. Uh, but as far as the standings go, they show the Baltimore Orioles in third place ahead of Toronto. Um, I don't know if that's because of how many games have been played. Obviously, the the, the Orioles have played uh, two more games than the Blue Jays. But, you know, you look at that, you got the Orioles, you got the Blue Jays. Boston's kind of out of it. Uh, you, I mean, if, if Detroit wants to make a run of it, I mean, they're not too far back. But Detroit's right there. Um, at 11 and 15, Kansas City 
is a little bit on the on the lower end of it, but they're also 11 and 17. So it's it's just really weird when you get down to it. Texas is the next team uh, in the AL West behind Oakland and Houston at seven at 10 and 17. Uh, and then you got Seattle 11 and 19, and the Angels just a, a disappointment. They're just wasting the career of uh, of of Mike Trout. I mean, it, it's just terrible. They're nine and 20. So. That's the AL, okay? We can possibly with the with the extended format of the playoffs, you can potentially get Baltimore and or Toronto in the in the postseason. I mean, don't even rule out Detroit. I mean, it's it's very strange. It's a very strange year. Uh, so one of those teams could could go ahead and sneak in there as the final playoff team. So uh, the AL, I mean, there's a lot of teams that you would expect to be there, being that you're looking at uh, Tampa Bay, you're looking at the Yankees, you're looking at uh, the Twins, Cleveland, Chicago, I guess you would expect them to be there. I mean, they had a really good offseason, and their offense is just tearing it up right now. When you look at home runs uh, for the team, you know, uh, Chicago is right there, right behind the L.A. Dodgers with 55 home runs on the season. Dodgers uh, sitting at the major league high of 59. And then the Padres, the Padres right uh, right there with the White Sox as well. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a weird season. It, it definitely is. It's very condensed. Uh, so when you start looking at these teams, uh, where you're going to end up and where they're going to go, it's hard to tell. Uh, it really is, being that we're only a month out. So, like I said, one of these teams at 500 depends how these next couple of weeks go. Every game is crucial. I mean, this is essentially playoff time from now until playoffs start uh, for the for these teams, especially once the deadline hits. But you know, with the extended playoff, that eliminates a lot of would be uh trade partners. I mean, Boston is clear. I don't think that they're going to uh try to make a run here 9 and 20. That that's kind of uh I guess that would be somewhat similar to uh what the Nationals were last year at that 310 win percentage, but you know, it, it's it's going to be hard for Boston to make it looking at that division and then they have to face the East in the National League as well, you got Atlanta, you got Miami, you got the Mets, you got Washington, and you got Philly. Uh, none of those teams are walkovers. And that division, I mean, we're going to switch over to the National League here in a sec, but that division is as close as it could be for all of those teams. I mean, the biggest gap is two games, but then everyone else is literally a game within each other or even less than that, maybe a half a game. So uh, it's going to be interesting going down the line for sure. I know I keep saying that, but uh, you got the Rays, you got the Yankees, you got the Twins, you got the the Indians, and then you got Oakland leading the American League. A lot of people are still sleeping on Oakland. And then you got uh, the Houston Astros. Houston Astros were pretty hot but just got swept by the San Diego, or should I say Slam Diego Padres over the weekend. And and the, a fan was loving it. He saw the, the buses leaving Petco Park, standing out there with his mask on, had a broom, and he was just sweeping them down the street. And that, that is just, that's perfect. Um, but moving on over to the NL East, like I said, I mean, you're looking at uh, the AL East, 
that was who we started with. Let's go ahead and look at the NL East, who they have to uh, play in this new format, you know, with geography determining your opponent. So the NL East, you know, we still have that weird scenario with the Miami Marlins. Miami Marlins have only played 22 games up to date, and the division-leading Atlanta Braves have played uh, six more games in them. They have played uh, 28 games on the year. So as of right now, as it as it looks to win percentage, the Atlanta Braves are ahead of the Marlins by two games. And then you have the Mets right behind the Marlins, behind only one game of the Marlins, three from Atlanta. And then you got Washington, who is still struggling uh, to, to find a rhythm and it's going to look even worse, uh, being that they lost one of their star players. We're going to talk about that in a sec. And then rounding out that division, we have the Philadelphia Phillies, who are 10-14, and 14, only four games back from first place. So that's the NL East there. It is very close. Like I said, this division is so close. You got Atlanta only up two games and then from uh you know f- behind Atlanta you got the Mets behind 3 games you got the the Nationals 3 and a half games and then you got the Phillies only 4 games back so it's going to be interesting but the other thing that that gets interesting too because with Miami it kind of throws a wrench into it but i mean you want to talk about wrenches the Chicago Cubs who they have been one of the one of the better teams in the National League this season. Chicago Cubs, led by Hugh Darvish, who shut down uh, the Chicago White Sox, who have just been tearing it up. The uh, the Chicago Cubs are leading that division by three games, 17 and 10, but they're leading it. They've played 27 games, and they're leading by three games over the St. Louis Cardinals, who have only played 17 games. They have played... 10 less games than the Cubs. So that's where it comes into win percentage. And it's just, it's very odd. And I mean, you look at the 10 games, we're only a month, about about a month away from the season concluding. 10 games is a lot. And I mean, you saw over the weekend, we, we saw the Yankees and the Mets get shut down. It didn't get played because of COVID. Now, you're hoping as a as the Cardinals move on, if they have any other hiccups in their schedule, if the Brewers, if the Reds, if the Cubs, if anyone exhibits any COVID um, issues, complications, and the Cardinals have to play against those teams, well, then that 10 goes most likely to 13 games. And it's just going to be very difficult. I don't see the Cardinals playing all of those games. I see them maybe, maybe getting 55 games in. And that's where it comes down to win percentage. Because you look at the win percentage right now, I mean, they've only played 17 games. It's uh, and, and they're in second place. And I don't know how you feel about it, but, you know, teams that obviously they're not playing as well in the central. So you kind of can't really say anything else. It's not like they're stealing something from any of these teams, but they've played, I mean, the reds, the reds have played 26 games. Yeah. They've, they've lost 15 of them <laughs> and there's, and they're sitting at 11 and 15, 
um, two and a half games behind the Cardinals, who have only played 17 games. So it's going to be really interesting when it gets down to the nitty-gritty. I mean, are you going to expect these guys to play multiple multiple um, double headers in a row? I mean, that's just that's just not that's not healthy. You can't do that. Um, you know, it's going to be really interesting. I, I don't know how that's going to play out. Uh, I know they're going to try to get as many games as they can, but I don't think they're going to get 60. I think they get maybe between the 50 to 55 range uh, if they want to um, complete the the season. 55, I think, is being very generous uh, when you look at everything that the Cardinals have had to go through in this season. But uh, like I said, you got the Cubs there at number one. You got the Cardinals there sitting at number two. Yes, they would be a playoff team, and the playoffs started tomorrow, only playing 17 games. Then you got the Reds there right behind them. Uh, then you got the Brewers, who are having a dis- disappointing season. They're in a tie with the Cincinnati Reds. And then you have Pittsburgh, who is one of those teams in the uh, in baseball that are expected to be sellers. And when you look at Pittsburgh, you may be looking at uh, Josh Bell as being a bat that gets moved to a team that needs some offensive uh, punch there down the stretch. So he could be a piece that gets moved as well. Then you go over to the National League West. And the West, you know, a lot of people don't think that the West is as interesting as it is uh, realistically. But, I mean, you look at the West and you look at all of the winning streaks going on in baseball all around the league. The The West have three of the biggest winning streaks active at the moment you got the Dodgers who are sitting on a four-game winning streak winning nine out of their last ten um and they're they're sitting on a 22 and eight record 30 games in they have met the halfway mark the LA Dodgers sitting atop of the NL West only up four games I mean that's that's big at this point in the season being that we only have about a month left but right behind them on their coattails is the Slam Diego Padres. The San Diego Padres, the fi- the Friars, are right there with the Dodgers. They're four games back, but they're 18 and 12, have also played 30 games. They're 7 and 3 in their last 10, but they're on a seven-game winning streak. Coming off of sweeping the red-hot, at the time, Houston Astros. So I know the Astros are dealing with their own injury issues as well, but the Padres, I mean, anytime you win seven games in a row, it's impressive. And right behind the Padres are the San Francisco Giants, 14-16 and with a six-game winning streak. Yes, I understand the six-game winning streak is against losing teams. It is against the terrible, terrible... Los Angeles Angels. It is also against the um, Arizona Diamondbacks. I understand that. But anytime you get a six-game winning streak, it is impressive. And the Giants are 3-0 and in the Joey Bart era. And this guy just continues to rake. He got robbed of a home run, not from a player, but from the wall. <laughs> he was like four inches away from getting his first big league knock on Sunday it was uh it was disappointing. I was waiting for it to happen, but prior to that, 
He had three hits, all were doubles. So he got his first single, and he got another double. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, so this guy, Joey Bart, he's one of those guys that it was very highly anticipated for the Giants fans, Giants organization, for him to make his debut. And he is not disappointed. I mean, uh, he's hitting somewhere around, I want to say, three, 360, 364, I think, was the last that I saw. But if I look this up right now, I mean, Joey Bart is just, uh, he, he's he's been doing a really good job. He's hitting 333 on the season right now. 333 with four hits, um, three of them being doubles. One of them was almost a home run and a single. He has his first RBI as well. Uh, he got that RBI walking, by the way. So go ahead and lock that into the vault for any Joey Bart trivia 20 years down the road. But uh, the 23-year-old catcher, I mean, he's he stands at 6'2". He looks like he belongs. He looks like he is comfortable uh, calling games. He looks like he's comfortable at in the batter's box. I mean, it is just very, very impressive to see what he's able to do in this season and, uh, you know, with, with limited at-bats, too. So, Joey Bart, one of those guys, he didn't have one of those great debuts, so to speak. But, I mean, his debut was highly, highly anticipated. But as we were talking prior uh, at the beginning of this podcast, we were talking about debuts. And the reason why I bring this up is because th- this season has seen a lot of young debuts a lot of young rookie talent coming into the major leagues in this season and the most recent has to be the most notable anyway is Tristan McKenzie the 23 year old made his debut with the Cleveland Indians and in his debut he struck out 10 batters yes they were Detroit Tigers but still it is still impressive it was the second most in franchise history. And what was actually cool about this situation was that, I mean, now, now that you see these guys coming up, they're so young, 23 years old. I mean, 23 years old, case in point, Tristan McKenzie, he goes on and says that uh, he remembers watching Miguel Cabrera as a five-year-old uh, growing up in South Florida. Right, growing up in that area, uh, it was huge to 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 see Miggy in person as a kid, and also to pitch against him. And he ends up striking him out in the first inning, and it and not just once he struck him out twice, struck him out once with a slider, and the other time he got him with a fastball. So, uh, you know, Miggy was really impressed by the rookie. But that's that's super cool for Tristan McKenzie to come into the league and face off against a guy that you grew up watching as a kid. That would be the equivalent of me, you know, pitching in the league right now and striking out Albert Pujols. I mean, yeah, he's old, but hell, I could tell everyone I struck out Albert Pujols. <laughs> Just like McKenzie could go ahead like 10 years down the road I struck out Miguel Cabrera. Like, not not many people can say that. So, I mean, it, it was just really impressive to see. What, and 10 strikeouts, that is, that that's quite a bit. That's quite a bit. He got 17 swing and misses 
and 11 times were by the fastball. His fastball was in the mid-90s. Looked really nice. In some points, it looked straight, but he had very pinpoint accuracy with his fastball. He also had a, a changeup that looked pretty good, and his curveball, oh my lord. That was his second most used pitch. He has a really good feel for the curveball in that game. Uh, the, the curveball would literally just fall off the table. Like, it would start at the head and end at the kneecaps. It was just amazing. I mean, you talk about curveballs. We've talked about Kershaw's curveball. Talked about Barry Zito's curveball. I think his curveball might be more devastating than both of those. And that that's saying something. But he had himself a, a really good debut. Ten strikeouts. Again, that was the second most in franchise history. But then, you know, we go and look through MLB history. You you look at these debuts of highly anticipated prospects. Tristan McKenzie being one of the one of the latest in the edition of best debuts in history. I don't know if you'd rule it as the best, but it's up there. It it, it has competition. Because I mean, obviously, it's always impressive when on a major league debut, when it comes to hitters, when it comes to pitchers, if you get double-digit strikeouts, that's just, you're on everybody's radar. If you hit a dinger in your first at-bat, in your first game, you're you're on everyone's radar. Jordan Alvarez for the Houston Astros, who unfortunately is out for the rest of this season. But he got called up on June 9th last year. 2019 against the Orioles and his first big league hit was a bomb and it was telling as to what he would go on to do go on to win rookie of the year honors in the American League first hit was a was a home run and he goes on and ends the season with 27 home runs in 87 games that is impressive. I mean, I'm disappointed that we're not going to be able to see him in 2020. So we'll have to see what he does in 2021. But, I mean, if he hits 27 in 87 games, a little bit over halfway, man, he, he can get close to hitting 45, 50 in 162. If you just want to do the numbers. So that that's impressive in and of itself. In his uh in his debut, he hit the home run. He got two RBIs. Only went one for three, but hitting a home run in your first at bat, everyone takes notice. And even if it's not in your first at bat, even if it's in your first game. But Aaron Judge is one of those guys that hit it in his first at bat as well. And he crushed a four hundred and forty six foot bomb to Monument Park in Yankee Stadium. That makes every, especially in Yankee Stadium, that makes everybody know your name. Judge jerseys, judge shirts were being made. Judge jerseys were flying off the shelves, off the hangers, I don't know, off whatever the hell that they're displayed on. So Judge, I mean, he crushed that. He went two for four in his debut against the Rays. And that was a precursor as to what was going to happen 
the next year, he went on to hit 52 home runs and one rookie of the year. So a lot of these guys that have good debuts go on to do great things. Trevor Story, one of those guys also, he's one of them that hit two home runs in his first game. That's very, on opening day, nonetheless, against Zach Granke as he debuted for the D-backs. Trevor Story, two for six. Two home runs. How impressive is that? Well, the only thing that comes up and makes it so much more impressive is it's not only impressive to do it in your first at-bat to hit a home run, but it's also equally important as to who you're facing. And the one that all Giants fans cling on to is Will the Thrill, Will Clark. We all know the lore of him facing the great Nolan Ryan. Facing the Astros. Took Nolan Ryan deep. And it was just, it's amazing. Nobody did that. Nobody did that to Nolan Ryan. Now Will Clark did it in his first at-bat. I believe it was his first swing ever in his major league career. And he hits a bomb. That's impressive. Willie McCovey, another giant. I know I'm sounding like a homer here. I'm bringing up giants. <laughs> but Willie McCovey, one of those guys, he debuted July 30th. So it wasn't even, you know, a full season. And he would go on to win rookie of the year. He started out his first game going four for four with two doubles. And two RBIs. And he wasn't known for his speed. I think he only ended his his career with a, a little bit over 40 triples in his whole career. Well, two of them came in his first game. He ended that season, that rookie campaign, with 13 homers and 38 RBIs. Ends up winning rookie of the year. Batting average of 354. I think that was the really impressive part, being a rookie. And one of my other personal favorites, looking at all these hitters, and then we'll look at some pitchers that had really good debuts. Jason Hayward, I remember that game. I was actually watching it. April 5th, 2010, against the Cubs, his now current team. And it's actually one of the sound bites in my in, in my in my intro. It's a home run in his first at-bat. Not a lot of guys can say that. But Jason Hayward, one of those guys, hit a home run in his first at-bat. Very impressive for Jason Hayward. But now let's look at pitchers. Because, I mean, we started this conversation with Tristan McKenzie, who struck out 10 Tigers, who was the second most in franchise history, the second most strikeouts. The first was actually Luis Tiant. Indians pitcher, 1964. That's that's dating a ways against the Yankees. Again, anytime you do something in front of the Yankees fans or to the Yankees, everyone takes notice. Well, he went nine innings, no earned runs, four hits, and 11 Ks, one K more than Tristan McKenzie did. Now, that was against 
a lineup that had Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris. So that's also, you know, when you look at, I mean, you talk about pitchers or you talk about hitters, it's equally important of who the pitcher was. Well, it's the same thing when it's a pitcher. Equally important who the team is, who was in that lineup. But you know what's equally important for Luis Tiant was that he outdueled one of the game's best pitchers in Whitey Ford. So, I mean, talk about a hell of a debut. He finished his career with 229 wins and 2,416 strikeouts. So, uh, that's just a little bit of a indicator of what Tristan McKenzie could possibly do. Maybe even better. I mean, hell, this other one is probably one of the best debuts, I would say, that has ever happened, is Steven Strasburg. I mean, this guy, he was so hyped, so hyped up by the national media, saying that this guy was the next great thing, and he lived up to it. He pitched seven innings, two earned runs, four hits, and 14 strikeouts. Oh, yeah. He was the World Series MVP and brought the first title to Nationals Park. That is what Steven Strasburg turned out to be. Is Tristan McKenzie going to follow in those footsteps? I mean, Strasburg... He he's just when he came into the league, he was just so overpowering. Had so much velocity, but he's also had injury issues. And, you know, unfortunately now he's done for the season. We're not gonna be able to see him anymore in twenty twenty. He has a uh, carpal tunnel syndrome in his pitching hand, so he had to have surgeries placed on the sixty day IL. And his season is over. That's a huge blow to the Washington Nationals. For sure. But you look at more guys that had success. Some guys that you know, some guys that you might not know. J.R. Richard for the, for the Astros. He had 15. 15 Ks against the Giants. That was back in 1971. And that included punch-outs to Willie Mays and Bobby Bonds. So, some good bats in that lineup as well. Then you look at Johnny Cueto. In his debut, he went seven innings, 10 Ks. He was perfect until Justin Upton led off the sixth inning with a solo home run. The only run that he gave up. The only hit that he gave up in the seven innings. Fellow Dominican, another giant, go figure. Another giant is uh, Juan Marichal. Juan Marichal, I mean, this guy always racked up Ks. He went nine innings. That That's not shocking. Gave up no earned runs. That's not shocking. One hit. That's not shocking. 12 Ks. You would think that it would be more. And Marichal was so great that he also had a no-hitter 
for seven and two-thirds innings before a pinch hitter came in and singled the center, and that was it. Juan Marichal, 1960 against the Phillies. He's impressive. So when you look at all these all these debuts, a lot of them turned out to be pretty good players. Some even Hall of Famers. Some maybe on the on the brink of being Hall of Famers. Or I mean, I guess it's too too early to tell for some of these guys. But Tristan McKenzie, if you haven't seen him pitch. The next time that he is on the mound, it is a must-watch. For sure. Because you know he's getting another start. <laughs> Especially with everything that's going on in Cleveland. They they can use some help to their rotation as well. Talk about Johnny Cueto. Johnny Cueto might get traded to Cleveland. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. Trade deadline is approaching. So it's going to get really busy in the next couple of days. But I'm going to leave that here. Hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Be sure to uh, check out all the future podcasts that are coming. Going to talk a lot about the trade deadline as we get closer. Keep you informed about trades as we look at the final push going to the postseason. So you guys have a good one. Be safe. And I'll talk to you next time.